Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. Let's do it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to your favorite podcast, This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Uh, I am Abriana, and I am here with Karsten today, so some new a new face here on the show. Um, and we are recording live. It is Wednesday, February 20th. Uh, morning for me, afternoon for Karsten. Uh, but we have a great show for you. And Karsten, as many of you know, if you are uh, from the other side of the pond, uh, you know Karsten because he handles our Loga conference. He handles all of our European operations, and he is um, awesome. So say hello, Karsten. How are you? Well, thank you very much. Say hello to, to you, too. Uh, yeah, it's uh, for me also. It's um, first time doing a whole show because Asif is on vacation. Is that right? He is in Cuba. Or he is in Cuba. Yeah. So while I am here in the rainy, cold Atlanta weather, which is odd for Atlanta, he is probably soaking up the sun and sipping on a mojito or something. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Cuba it is. Cuba is great. Yeah, same here in Munich. So still winter. So zero degrees uh, Celsius, but uh, a bit of bit of spring is coming up, so we had 10 degrees Celsius on the weekend, so everything's fine. So hopefully, so we will survive the winter. <laughs> yes, we will survive, whatever happens. Well, we have a good show for everybody today. I'm excited. We've got three industry news stories, uh, two member news stories, and Karsten has a little something special for us in the middle um, yeah. that he is going to share. So if it's all right, I'll go ahead and kick it off with our first story. Um so I don't know if, if this festival is as popular outside of the United States as it is in the United States, but Coachella is a huge music festival that um, takes place here in the U.S. And um, it is, you know, it is bringing in all kinds of genres. It's like a few day event. And um, yeah, it's kind of like the modern day Woodstock, if you will, um, <laughs> for, for our generation. Anyways. Um, Coachella has kind of uh, led Amazon to do something really cool. So we've all heard about the Amazon lockers that Amazon has placed at, you know, malls and, um, you know, areas of interest, maybe like, uh, you know, something uh, more stationary, like an amusement park or something where you can actually pick up a shipment from, from Amazon. But this is the first time Amazon is looking to do something at an event. So at something that's like temporary, it's their first temporary installation of Amazon lockers. So this is really cool because obviously if you go to a festival where you're spending the night or you're camping out, you're bound to forget something or something's going to get broken or lost. Um, and so the these Amazon lockers will be ready for you to just order whatever it is that you need. So um, if you need to order some extra, you know, fringe attire, hippie, indie, chic, you know, outfits for the, <laughs> for the festival, uh, which is all the type of gear that this type of festival seems to attract. Um, and then they're going to also have like last minute necessities that are there at the Coachella inspired shop front. So like sunscreen, fashion, uh, phone chargers, camping gear, all of those things. I think this is really smart. I love this idea. And I think that Amazon could probably do a lot of these at events. So anything that's kind of a multi-day event or an all day event where you're going to need something, you know, where people forget things. Um, I think this is a great opportunity and I love this. So again, like immediacy, fulfilling that need and, um, you know, we, ha we have this desire to have like um, immediate gratification and satisfaction. So uh, Amazon is here to provide that for us, right? <laughs> 
Also, it's a cool, cool thing, but uh, on the other side, it's not brand new. So we, we had a lot of retailers jumping into that space of festivals, uh, doing some pop-up stores. Uh, we had that in Germany also. There's one festival called Deichband, which is on the North Sea, the northern part of, of Germany, and uh, one of our famous discounter supermarkets chain. It's Aldi. You have that in, in America, okay. too. They had a pop-up store there for uh, thousands of square meters, only just providing food and goods for the um, yeah, attendees of the festival. So I, I think it's a brilliant idea to do that uh, with the Amazon lockers, but maybe there are some problems we also have to talk about because uh, most biggest problem for, for the festival attendees is always power. So they have to charge their phones, and I know it's dirty, and they're, they're sleeping in tents, um, maybe have some party, drink some alcohol, and uh, then maybe it's very funny to, to have that guy standing in front of the locker without a paw on the phone. <laughs> I don't know how they <laughs> this. <laughs> I would agree to that. I think that, you know, I think the pop-up shops and Amazon are going to cater to different um, different types of people, right? So people who frequently use Amazon and they don't necessarily like want to go stand in a line at a pop-up shop to get something, but they want to order it now and pick it up later when it's more convenient for them versus, you know, I want to go explore what these pop-up shops have or, you know, with the Aldi case, like maybe I want to go see, you know, what they have to eat over there. I think it's a little bit different, but I think there's going to be challenges with both, like wait times and having to, um, you know, actually like go through the process of having human interaction uh, maybe you are, maybe you have had like a lot to drink and so you want to, um, you prefer to interact with like, <laughs> you know, squinting, looking for the code on your phone rather than uh, standing and talking to, <laughs> talking to a human being. I don't know. But uh, yes, definitely challenges, but exciting things as well. Yeah, absolutely great. So let's jump into our second story, um, which is, again, the future of retail made by a um, a retail store, a grocery store in Belgium. So the, the company is called Gollard Group. Um, this is a yeah, more discount-orientated retailer. And as all of those guys, uh, they are thinking about technology and uh, how they can interact more with their customers and the customer behaviors. And so they, they, they jumped into um, this, this, this new concept, saying, all right, uh, let's use uh, voice-activating shopping lists to um, to find out uh, how this works. And um, then the idea behind that is uh, not having all the goods and all the stuff in the store, uh, only just what you need right now. So fruits and vegetables in the middle of that new store concept. You have a, a chief is cooking something, give you ideas and inspirations about new recipes. And uh, so they, they, they came up with the idea to um, do a voice-activated shopping list by the Google Assistant uh, uh, thing, So which, which allows you to give more context into that because it's much more easier to speak to, to your phone and say, right, I have an idea, I want to cook something, maybe a cake or something like that, bake something, and uh, how you can help me. And you can use the, the, the algorithm and the, the intelligence of the Google Assistant to, to, to find more insights of what, what's the behavior of the um, yeah, consumer. Um, but as anybody, it's only just a trial. It's only just the idea to, to, to do that. It's not real it's, uh, at the moment. So what do you think about that? You know, I think that there's a lot. I, I, 
what I like right now is that a lot of people are trying to figure out voice, right? They're trying to see how can voice play a role in my business and my retail and um, even, you know, with uh, digital, like how can I interact with voice? So I like that people are exploring new ideas. Um, I think that it's still being refined. It's at the very early stages of voice. And so, for example, I have attempted to make lists with Alexa, right? And the challenge that I have there is that it's not seamless. It's not a fluid human conversation, right? It's like, Alexa, I would like to add, um, I want to create a list. Okay, what do you want me to add to the list? So I'll start talking, and then all of a sudden, like, only the first thing that I mentioned is on the list instead of everything, you know, as in like a bullet point list. So I think that it's challenging and it's frustrating because you want to have access to that list. You want to be able to utilize that, but I don't think that we're ready where it's just like, it's super easy and now I've got my list when I get to the grocery store or I'm telling you my list and, you know, um, Alexa or Google Assistant is actually sending that to the grocer and I can pick up the groceries when I get there, right? That would be ideal, especially when you're thinking about people on the go, people that are driving, right? I can't go into an app and order things when I'm driving, but that's the time that I'm thinking about, okay, I need to get this from the grocery store, this from the grocery store, this from the grocery So if, if I think that in a perfect world or once all the kinks are worked out, it's going to be a great... Um, offering and it's going to be very valuable. But in the meantime, um, I'm a little skeptical about it. What do you think? Um, early stage. Uh, that, that's right. It's early stage, but you have to try and test it now to to, to earn the insights and uh, learn about the consumers, uh, what they think, what they need, how they interact with that. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's not brilliant working right now, but it's a good move also teaming up with uh, with an assistant from Google or from Alexa, not doing by your own, like a couple of car manufacturers oh, are doing. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I think that there, I have high hopes for the future of this for sure. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll get there and obviously you have to start trying it to see what needs to be fixed and can be improved. We'll yeah. see. All right. So um, it seems like lots of like grocery and food talk this week, but um, we're going to move yeah. over to a story from DoorDash and, you know, we just talked about Postmates, and um, they just filed some confidential paperwork um, for an IPO. So now we're switching over to their competitor, and DoorDash has raised $500 million, uh, a $500 million round of funding. Um, and this is according to the Wall Street Journal. And this round of funding has been led by, it looks like, uh, Temasek Holdings of Singapore, um, and, you know, last year DoorDash raised $250 million. So, you know, I think that it's like, it's funny because you see one of these delivery services like inch up and then the next one inch up and then the next one inch up. So they're just constantly trying to outdo each other, it seems. But DoorDash is the first startup to operate in all 50 states. Um, and, you know, I think this round's going to give them up to like a $7 billion uh, value valuation. That's That's intense, right? You know? It's crazy that these these delivery services are just taking over. And we're not even talking about like an Amazon. We're talking about food, right? Just mostly food. <laughs> so, I mean, I think this is incredible. I, I, I do think that Postmates and DoorDash are a little bit different. Um, they kind of fit different niches, although I will use all of them. I find that... Um, what's that? Are you are you use these services? I have. I've used both of them. Yeah. yeah. I have I mean I don't use them frequently because 
typically whenever I want to order something, it's like an hour wait. And so it's a lot easier just to jump in my car and go pick it up and bring it back than wait for somebody to deliver it. If I plan ahead or if I have time to plan ahead, then that's fine. But um, I actually tend to use it more when I'm traveling by myself, like having them deliver something to a hotel versus at home, like for a family. Yeah. But yeah. So that's the announcement. Yeah, so there's a lot of a uh, lot of money in that market, and it's all about the relationship uh, between the customer and the product and the brand. At the end of the day, uh, they they learn a lot about uh, um, why when they order it, why they order it, and especially because we're talking about location-based services, where and uh, why the context of that is very interesting. Because if you go go into a, into a physical store and picking up some goods, it's quite easy for you to do that. But nobody has an idea what's the context of it. Right. Yeah. So so maybe those those insights can be also very interesting for industry. I agree. I agree. I th- I mean, I think that there's so much to learn from the different data that these apps can capture, like where people order, um, you know, how quickly they want it, the type of food that they're ordering. So I know that a lot of these have like a fast food availability. But if I'm ordering food, I am definitely not getting fast food, right? Like I want something that's more of a home-cooked meal, um, you know, something a little bit more upscale. Like, I'm not ordering McDonald's to be delivered to my house. (laughs) Makes sense, absolutely. (laughs) So you have um, an exciting update for us that you are ready to share. Our exciting update, yeah. So we had our local conference um, um, two weeks ago now. Asif was there as one of our keynote speakers. So local conference is our European LVMA conference, and we moved it from Munich, where it took place the last four years, into Frankfurt area, because we have a lot of new members coming from Frankfurt and the area around there. So especially brands and retailers are located there. And yeah, it was amazing because our Congress location, the venue, is very very old so 200 250 years something like that very traditional i will share some some pictures also with you later and uh so successful um a lot of insights and the most important insight i think is um the time is gone of test and try it's more about roll-up scenarios now it's now how we can do it it's not the question that we should do it it's now how we can roll out it and uh, mostly, more especially, I think it's all over the world the same situation. If you're doing it in cities, so we have a lot of people, a good infrastructure, everything is working very, very quick and very, very well. But if you go out to the countryside and say, right, let's, let's do it with our 5,000 markets or outlets or whatever, so uh, a lot of different issues are popping up. So still internet connection is a, a big topic here in Europe. So it's bad internet connection on the countryside. And so, yeah, so that's that, that's major topic. Um, we, we have a couple of new members coming into our um, association. Uh, a lot of those are coming from the uh, payment industry right now. So the biggest member right now is uh, CCV. Uh, there's a payment solution provider, very, very successful in Central Europe, a lot of terminals outside, 
doing a lot of um, yeah vending machines and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, their interest to learn more about uh, customers why are they using that? It's not about the payment process. It's more about value, loyalty, all those stuff we talked about and. innovative right now because they're under pressure <laughs> they have to innovate because we all see those things coming up seamless payment processes non-show your credit card um, face ids all those things are happening globally mm-hmm. and uh, in europe we are more more secure you know that data protection all the stuff is here so still using card a lot of cash in the market also and so uh, that, that's what's happening right now. And the other thing is, um, yeah, um, our biggest fair is coming up. So it's only 19 days to go. So you can see in the back all our uh, people working with me on that big project right now because it's a big fair in the fair of Munich. It's called POS Connect. So we separated the Congress from the exhibition. So we have the exhibition in 19 days. And so we expect around uh, 20,000 people there. Wow. So it's a year, huge fair. We, we have a part of it where it's only talking about physical stores and digitalization of stores, a lot of location technologies, data analytics. And uh, another new member we have, which is very interesting, those guys are coming from the real estate business. Mm-hmm. And um, we're all talking about footfall in high streets. They say, right, it's going down, it's going down. And they say, no, it's not going down because you're, you're not measuring, you're not counting right. So let, let's install some new sensors. And that, that's what they do. The company is called High Street. And uh, those guys are installing um, laser-based sensors mm-hmm. on, the, on, the, on the stores, on the top of the stores. And so they count how many people are on the street. And they give that data for free to the market and say, right, look at this high street in Munich or Cologne or Hamburg. Uh, this is uh, so many people are there last hour. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and this is very interesting because um, the business of the real estate is more driven by, um, yeah, how many money you make out of square meters or something like that. Mm-hmm. Originally, it's not about traffic. But when we think about that, uh, Amazon Locker thing at the at the festivals. So it's about traffic. How many people were there? Not not uh, how many people doing uh, how many money on that square meters. It's more about how many people there. What's the context? And uh, are they able to to order something there? So initiating new sales, sales driven. So that so that's that's new. Absolutely, yeah. Well, lots of interesting stuff there, and. Um... Frankfurt is awesome, right? I mean, it's a great, great city. Lots happening there. So that's cool that you guys got to explore um, a new space for the LOCA conference. And I think that, you know, you guys, it's really, it is a very cool time to be involved in all of this, but there are challenges, especially in Europe. Obviously, there's so much concern around privacy, but yet it's harder for technologists and marketers to innovate, right? You want to be able to innovate and really tailor that consumer experience, but um, with the, with the amount of legislation and rules and regulations that you have to go through, I think it makes it a little bit more complicated and difficult. So you have to be very thoughtful in everything that you implement and make sure there's a reason and um, 
you know, that you have that connection with the, with the end consumer in terms of why you're using their data and how you're using their data. But, um, you know, and we're moving towards that, I think over here as well. So, um, lots of good stuff and the foot traffic. I mean, that has been a big trend, right. In terms of like attribution, how are things, how are things measured? Um, how are they accurately measured? Because there's lots of ways to measure, but is it accurate? Um, you know, is it conducive to what you're actually trying to measure and, and how can you utilize that data to, to amplify that? So all kinds of good stuff. So thanks for the update. And yeah. now you're back to the grocery store. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm back in the grocery store. I think this is the episode of grocery stores. Yes. So let's jump into your biggest grocery store, which is Kroger. Is that right? Kroger. Yeah. It's pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very big. And um, after Apple Pay and Google Pay is now coming up, for everybody, uh, they announced that they have their own mobile payment solution on their app. Congratulations, Kroger, to do that. Um, when I prepared it, it was a bit, yeah, they tried and tested it now in Columbus, Ohio. Is that the the uh, headquarter? Of, I believe uh, it is. Yeah, I believe it is. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, so um, it, I think the... So they try and test it there, and then they rolled out another 10 markets within the next months, yeah. and they try to do a, um, um, uh, a national-wide rollout within the next yeah, year or something like that. I, I'm not sure how, what, why it's taking so long. I don't know it because Apple Pay is just click it on. But uh, I think there's one big difference between those to payment solutions from Apple Pay, Google Pay, and the own payment solution, it's debit card based. Is that right? Yeah, so it seems like they're linking it with your own bank card, or you can go through their kind of a debit system. Um, it doesn't, so from what I read and what I gathered, it doesn't seem like it's as seamless as some of the other options like we have with Apple and Google Pay, which is just like one touch, you're right there. This is you go into you download the the Kroger payments app and then it gives you either a QR code to scan or a pin that you have to use um, after you've already done like your biometric scanning or entered a pin. So then, you know, you get the QR code and I guess you scan it. So I think of it as um, I'm sure you haven't experienced this, but Chick-fil-A app, right? So Chick-fil-A, you basically like take your credit card uh, or your debit card and you load money onto the Chick-fil-A payments app. Um, so, you know, I say, okay, I want to add $25 to my Chick-fil-A payment. And then when I go through the drive-thru or go inside, they just scan my QR code and it automatically takes it out of that credit that I've put there. So in essence, it's not a true payment system like, um, Apple Pay is where it's just directly debiting it from your linked, you know, credit card or bank account. Um, so I think it's a little bit more manual. Um, the one reason why I think people will use it is because they are saying that it's going to obviously increase your loyalty points and the discounts you get on Kroger gas. So that to me is obviously compelling enough to be able to utilize it. And they obviously want to have all the information that they possibly can. So, um, now they're able to link, you know, the payment and what you spent and on what, and the loyalty card and who you are and all of that information, they're just bundling it right into one, which makes sense. Um, I would obviously want to try it for myself. It seems slightly complicated or a little less seamless than I would prefer. But, um, you know, if you're getting, if you're saving like, you know, 
usually with a Kroger um, loyalty card, you might get like 10 cents off gas if you're a regular shopper. Whereas yeah. now if you're going to double that and give me 20 cents off a gallon of gas, then maybe I'll be more compelled to um, opt into that that payment system and, and that Kroger pay. So um, I don't know. I mean, and the reason why I'll, I will do that with the Chick-fil-A app is because they give me rewards. So like every now and then they'll be like, hey, you get a free Chick-fil-A sandwich, get a free milkshake, get this, get that. Um, so I, I think that the rewards is really the payoff and, and making the the transition to the Kroger pay. But not it's not a seamless offering yet but we'll see yeah on the, on the other hand um, so you have a lot of people they do not have money right now so they do not have a credit card they are unbanked people they also go to a grocery store they have to buy something and maybe with a kind of prepaid uh, solution on your on your smartphone this allows you to to take part of the whole program not using your credit card for some reasons you do not have one or there's yeah. not enough money on it or something like that but you can still earn your points and you can still pay by your phone so that's a that's a big topic also too yeah for sure being able to reload for unbanked people is probably a big option so uh we're gonna wrap it up today with a story from crate and barrel and so we're moving kind of over to furniture um home accessories and so I know uh, several months ago we had discussed how IKEA had bought uh, TaskRabbit, right? They acquired this company called TaskRabbit, which would come and help you assemble your furniture. So you buy this furniture from IKEA, it obviously requires assembly, and you don't want to do that, or maybe you just aren't capable with the very easy step-by-step -step instructions that IKEA gives you. <laughs> so you, you hire somebody from TaskRabbit to come and do that. Well, now Crate and Barrel is partnering with Handy, which is a competitor to TaskRabbit. And this is very interesting. So I would, I would um, consider Crate and Barrel like a little bit more high-end than I would IKEA. Um, but IKEA has a huge market share in the furniture industry. Um, so what is interesting is that now Handy is going to be available for over 90 Crate and Barrel stores. Um, they will be able to come and um, be contacted and come and assemble seven days a week between 7 a.m. and 11 p.m. And what's interesting here to me is that customers actually have to book the Handy service while they're in the Crate and Barrel store. So this is not available for online purchases. Um, and you'll pay you know, somewhere between $59 and $199 to have somebody come out and do this. Um, so, you know, I, I think that the whole IKEA acquiring TaskRabbit was a genius idea. I think that helped them a lot. Um, TaskRabbit, since the acquisition, I believe, has like doubled um, the tasks performed, which is amazing. And 10% of these were furniture assemblies. So it's a huge amount of growth. Uh, so I think this will be good for Handy as it will for Crate and Barrel. But my question is, why are you limiting this to in-store purchases, right? Like, people who want to use something like Handy are probably more likely to be digital shoppers versus in-store shoppers. I mean, just my perception of, of <laughs> consumer experience. So I think this should be available for anyone who's shopping on Crate and Barrel. I'm not sure why they've done that. But maybe it's something special where they say, like, maybe it'll get people into the store. They'll spend more money. I'm not really sure what the reasoning or psychology behind this is. But overall, I think it's a great partnership. And, um, you know, we look forward to hearing more from that. 
Absolutely. So, so it's great. So a lot of furniture companies are going more and more digital. You mentioned IKEA. So we had IKEA at our conference, at local conference, so the payment side of IKEA. So they teamed up with a company called Snabble, a new member of us. Uh, they're doing um, self-scanning on the shelf. So you can pay um, your products on the shelf and go uh, out uh, without standing in line at the, at the cash zone or the point of sale. So they're very innovative. Also Macy's are doing a lot of VR stuff right now. So having up uh, their VR uh, experience where you can set the furniture in the right way. Uh, I think it's only just a small step uh, to try what's working, what's not working. Maybe that could be an explanation about why they only uh, offer that to physical store. Uh, visitors and customers because you can ask them why they're doing that <laughs> explaining that and also uh, so medium after Turner is doing some some project now also with self-scanning in a store and they have to educate the customers how they're working it's quite easy just download the app and scan it uh, but uh, you have to educate you have to have promotion teams there why is that good why is that bad where's the risk uh, what was happening if something went wrong and all those things the consumer must be yeah give them a hand and explain why you're doing that and i think it's a small step also in that kind of area yep completely agree well, this has been really fun. We can't wait so long until you're on the show again and maybe um, hosting with me again because this has been a really fun time. Yeah, but but, but our event in Atlanta is coming. Uh, Atlanta is coming up in October, and Seattle is coming up. Yeah, yeah. So we have Seattle. I believe it's the 24th and 25th of April, yes. and then I am planning to be there. That is my I intention. <laughs> you're there too. All right. I'm there. Yes. So we we'll be hanging out soon. And then um, obviously we'll be back here in Atlanta in October for Retail Loco Atlanta. Um, I mean, I think these events are just continuing to grow and they're awesome. And I love the, that we've chosen new cities for them as well. It's been fun to kind of explore and, and have member companies that are in those areas host and, and be a part of it. So anyways, yeah. Well, you have been listening to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode 403. We will be back next week. I'm not sure on the day and time, but it probably will be Asif and I. And Karsten, thank you so much. You've been amazing. Thank you very we'll see much. see you guys next time. I hope time. you can understand everything. <laughs> <We'll see. laughs> That's great. Bye. Bye-bye. See you. <laughs>